And so it was interesting to me that um, when Annie was here Friday night, that she picked up on the word of God, the word of the Lord that he gave us in December and ministered off of that as well. So that was really powerful. But I was going to give, uh, wanted to get you a piece of this. The Bible says to war good warfare with the prophecy spoken over you. And really this was a word of wisdom telling us about the future. And in this year, and so um, it says... Uh, I want to remind you, this is paying not as much attention to those things that are around you. So even in December, there was a lot of things around you, but now there's a lot more around you. There was a lot of things in December of last year around you, but now there's a lot more things around you. And I would love to tell you, you wonderful people of faith, that your prayer is going to change all the circumstances. But you can't control everything going on in the world. You can control the circumstances in your life. But even if you have circumstances, you don't have to let them get you down. You don't have to let them make you frown. Amen? So listen to what he said. Pay not as much attention to those things around you. He didn't say put your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend they don't exist. He said just don't pay attention to them. Everybody say, I won't pay attention to them. Or let's say it better English. I will not pay attention to them. For, he said, for they will confound you. So if you're confounded right now, if you're uh, depressed right now, if you're confused right now, you are paying too much attention to the circumstances. Just as simple as that. Y'all smile at me. You are my champion. Okay, I'm going to help you out. Hallelujah. But if you look up, everybody say, I'm looking up. If you'll understand, everybody say, I understand. I understand. You have revelation, right? If you'll understand the season, the time, you would greatly rejoice. For what I will do for you this next season, talking about this year, I will bring much joy and, over, and power and overcoming to the church like never before. But listen to this part. Are you grateful that he's bringing power? Are you rejoicing in it? Has he got joy? Unspeakable, full of glory. Are you an overcomer? But what did he say? Because he said this, for you will need it for this hour. So that means there are circumstances. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want anything else. I can't handle anything. Well, the Lord didn't ask you to handle it. I can't handle anymore. What? You can't. That tells you where you're at. Hallelujah. Your words will give you away. I said, your words will give you away. Can't handle anymore. Well, that means you're trying to do, I, I'm not talking to just you. I hear myself say, I, I, I just can't take anymore. Well, who's trying to take it? Me. Well, that's problem number one. Cast it up on the Lord. All right, so I've been praying. Y'all good? Hallelujah. There's no reason to be depressed. There's no reason to be down. We win. And when I was praying, um, some of you have been with us a while. Some of you are new to the church. Uh, people ask us all the time, communion, when do you take it? Well, right now we take it as the Lord leads. Probably because of um, back really, I used to do it back in the A-frame. If those of you who have been here, the A-frame, that means you've been here a long time. Um, we used to do it every month. But then it got to be a ritual and it lost its power. Uh, a communion can become very religious. In other words, people do it without thinking about it. They just take, you know, a piece of bread and a little sip of a cup and, you know, I did my religious duty. We don't want that. 
because it's supposed to be powerful. We're supposed to be doing it in remembrance to come. So I really was minding my own business the other day, and the Holy Ghost said, I want you to take communion the first Sunday of every month for the rest of the year. I want you to take communion. for. So what do I know? Well, that doesn't scare me. That encourages me. Because this is what I know. When we take communion, it is a celebration of the Passover. What is the Passover? It is harvest. What is Passover? It is harvest. And the, it's interesting that on the first day we're going to do it is the day that we, uh, you know, celebrate Pentecost. So it's Pentecost Sunday. We're going to have uh, communion. I mean, JC just got promoted. Um, good things are happening for you, and there's power in observance of the Lord's table. And so I want you to go into this with, with understanding what, what is communion. It is a celebration of Passover. And what is Passover? Well, we know during Passover, we know what happened in the end. Jesus was raised from the dead. He is the Passover lamb. But you take it back to the children of Israel. They were in slavery. They were in trouble. But they called on God, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you're in a covenant, and it happens to be new and better. And, and, and uh, Moses was their deliverer. We got a better deliverer. His name is Jesus. Amen. But if it was a type and we're living in the real, then we at least ought to have what they had in the type. And in the type, they came out with silver and gold. There was none sick or feeble among them. Hallelujah. The Lord brought them out with great power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we're more like the second bunch than the first bunch. Then we're going to go ahead and get all the promises that he has for us. Come on, the, all the promises are yes and amen to those who are in. Are you in? I am in Christ Jesus. And so let's look at this. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at Paul's revelation of um, communion, the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. All right. We'll start at verse 23. For I have received the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. We'll just stop right there. Number one, the bread represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he do uh, with his body? Well, his body is a type where uh, his body caused the veil that kept us out of the holy of holies to be rent from top to bottom. We know that um, according to the word of God that Jesus took stripes on his back so that you could, you were healed. Listen, we're not trying to get healed. We are healed just like our salvation. We receive what has already been done for us. We're not trying to get something. You don't, you don't try to get salvation. You receive your salvation. You don't try to get saved. Salvation is available. You do what? You receive it. That's all the things of God. And so we know Isaiah. Isaiah says this. I didn't plan to go there, but let's, let's, just, do what the, let's just do what we're doing here. Isaiah uh, chapter 53 uh, says in verse 4, Isaiah 53, 4, surely. Everybody say surely. surely. What does that mean? Done deal. Surely he has borne our griefs or sicknesses. And he has carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You say, well, you know, that, what, what, is, what does that have to do with physical uh, healing? Uh, well, Jesus himself said in uh, Matthew, Isaiah, Matthew 8, 17, it said that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and he bare our sickness. That's what Isaiah said. And so the translation, you know, I can go back to the original translation, but that's what it means. Everybody say, Jesus took my infirmities and my sicknesses. What? So he took all my sicknesses. He took all my diseases. And with his stripes, I have been healed. If I have been, then I am. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed enforcing my healing. Yeah, but I'm sick. No, you're the healed. This is not my message today. You're the healed. Why? Because he says, so. he, if he took it, no, Pastor Mark, I'm sick. Well, let the, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. And I would add, let the sick say I'm whole. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so, that's, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Everybody say, by his stripes. By his, by, his, by his stripes, you're what? I am healed. So here in 1 Corinthians, it talks about his body. After the same manner, he took the cup when he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Are you grateful for the blood of Jesus? Are you, are you washed clean by the blood of Jesus? Are you protected by the blood of Jesus? Are you grateful for the covenant because of the blood of Jesus? Are you grateful that he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat and sat down? Hallelujah. Are you grateful for the blood? I'm so grateful for the blood. Hallelujah. We, we have a new covenant because of the blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till it's come. He's coming back. No, I said he's coming back. He really is coming back. Hallelujah. I pray it's in my lifetime because it'll be cool. Hallelujah. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood. So that's where I want to start. Um, when I was uh, a little boy, I grew up in a denominational church, and we had communion every once in a while. And my, you've heard me talk about my mamaw. She was a very strong Christian woman. And she didn't go to church with us, but, you know, she and, you know, probably influenced, you know, us going to church. So we would go to church. And I got saved when I was 12 years old in my youth group. And I really did have a full salvation experience. I knew I was saved. And, you know, but I, in the church I was in, honestly, there was no word taught. I don't remember anything. And I, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. But really what I came in with, Noah had a boat and let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be accepted on my side of the Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's really about all I knew. And I didn't even realize after I got born again that the gospel story, you know, the accounts in the gospels, when I first came back to the Lord, got filled with the Holy Ghost and started reading my Bible for the first time in my life, I realized that the accounts were repeated and I thought that was cool. And I just didn't, I just didn't know. But I do remember communion Sundays. And I remember that I would never take it. I would never take it because I felt unworthy. I felt condemned. It was just kind of who I was and where I was. I had a reverence and an awe of God, but it was a bad one. I always thought he was out to get me. I, I always thought there was nothing I could do to please him. 
I, I, and where'd that come from? That's the devil. But that's how I lived. That's how I lived. And so every time communion would come, I would rarely take it. Because I was always afraid that if I put that cup up to my lips, I was going to die or something. And I really didn't even know this scripture. But how many know the devil can twist the word of God and make you afraid of God in a bad way? Now, in our society today, there needs to be an awe and a respect of him uh, because there isn't any, even in the church. Everything has become way too casual, way too whatever. And I believe the reverence and the awe of God is leaving, but we're not going to lose it here. Because he is an awesome, wonderful, and he, he's your father, but he's still the almighty. He's your father, but he's still the almighty. Amen. And so when you read this in the King James, if you've never studied this, unworthily, you begin to look at yourself. But really this term unworthily is don't take it irreverently. Don't take, be, be reverent while you're taking it. It's really not talking about you as much as how you take. In other words, because how many remember, this is the Corinthian church. This is the tongue talking, but the messed up bunch. This church is a messed up bunch. They're doing a lot of stuff squirrely. He's having to put things in order. And so even when they would take the Lord's table, they would do it irreverently. They would do it even with their meal. They would combine everything together. He was trying to set some things in order. So when you see that word unworthily, there is the fact that you, you know, really someone ought not be partaking of communion if they're not born again. Because it's a covenant celebration, and if you're not in the covenant, then you're taking it, and I'll get into some of that in a minute. But I want, you to, I want, to, rem, I want to remind you of some things. Um, are you born again? Are, are you washed in the blood? And let me ask you this question. When did you get righteous? When? When I got born again. So Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now this is a test because I just preached it. Let's see if you can get it. So when did you get sanctified? When you got born again. Are you born again? Everybody say, I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified. Okay, look, here's another one. This one might throw some of you if you weren't here. When did you get holy? I gave you scripture. When did you get holy? When you got born, see, some of you can't even bring yourself to say it. You're holy as he's holy. And when did you get that way? When, well, I, I, I don't know if I'm holy. Yes, you, if you're born again, you are holy. Go back and listen to that. Everybody say it. I am righteous. I have been sanctified. And I am holy. And if you'll concentrate on that, if you'll see yourself that way, then any unworthiness will leave you. Because it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about you, it's about him. Now, don't take this unworthily or irreverently. So when we take it, it's not, and this is what I began to see a number of years ago, even in our church, that people became, and I hate to use the word flippant, but it became not a big deal. It was just something we tacked on to the end of the service, and the Lord doesn't like that. And really, that's dangerous. And so when people religiously do this, there is some actual penalty for doing it that way. But you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be concerned. Now, we'll get to some other things in a minute. But again, you aren't taking it unworthily if you're born again and you know you are righteous. Are you righteous? You're not taking it unworthily if you know you've been sanctified. Are you sanctified? Come on. And you're holy. 
say I lose a lot of you on that. Come on, come on. I'm going to make you say it. I am holy. Woo, hallelujah. No lightning strikes. No, because he decided to make you that way. He decided. Are you grateful? Hallelujah. So don't do it unworthily. You'll, if you do, you'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let, verse 28, and this is where we want to get to just real quick. But let that man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 29, for he that eats and drinks unworthily, irreverently, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so we won't, but I wanted to make you think, because I, I, I really had that on my heart, because, and it probably because of where I came from. Sometimes as a minister, you minister a lot from where you came from, and some of you may not come from that, but I really came from a very unworthy place. It really messed with me my teenage years into my young adult years. It wasn't until I got saved, sanctified, made holy, and, um, you know, made righteous that I didn't even know I did, but I got delivered. I do know that. I do know I got delivered. And I do know that sense of, of, of self-loathing and um, unworthiness and all that junk, it left me. And I'm worthy in him. I'm accepted in the beloved. I, I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. And, 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 and you are too. So if you're born again, you can take of communion. You can partake of that because there's many benefits that we're going to get into, hopefully. Uh, but the first thing here I want to look at is uh, it says examine yourself. So when you think the word examine yourself, uh, Bible Institute is happening tonight, graduation, school of ministry. Now I want to just say this. If you're new to the church, come out tonight because next year you're going to go to Bible Institute. Because next year you're going to go to Bible Institute and you want to see what happens in two years for you. And besides that, there's really good free food afterwards. But you come because you're going to Bible Institute next year, and so you'll want to see how it goes. So I'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. All right, and so you need to, you and I need to examine. What does that mean? Well, to me, that means you got to take a test. Examination, what's examination? Well, I'm going to take a test. Well, if this is, see, let's see what it says. So uh, it says, examine yourself, right? Examine yourself. Uh, so that's a little weird because usually it's somebody else exam giving you an exam. But in this one, it's a self-test. And you're the only one that can take this self-test. And no one is to administer this test to you. So really you've got to get with the Holy Ghost and you've got to have a self-test. Now, how, what, what areas do I self-test in before I partake of communion? Well, I think the first thing you need to understand is found in 2 Corinthians. Uh, let, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Um, so we looked at, we're at 11, 28. Let's, um, let's look at 1 Corinthians 11, 31. Let's go on down a little bit. But, let's, yeah, it says this. For if we would judge or examine ourselves, we won't be judged. So if you take the test and judge where you're at, give yourself a grade, then you won't be judged. So everybody, everybody say, I will self-test. <laughs> Why? Because you're going to get one if you don't take your own self-test. Somebody else is going to make up one for you. So you got to self-test. You see that? Isn't that what it says? If you don't judge yourself, how are you going to judge yourself? You're going to have to judge yourself by taking a self-test. 
And if you'll take that self-test, which you're going to find out it's not that hard, then what you're going to do is you, you're going to, then you're going to be able to examine where you're short and fix it so that you don't get judged, that you don't get judged. So you don't have to be judged if you will self-test. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hallelujah. All right, let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, out of the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you're holding to your faith and see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. So examine and test and evaluate. So everybody, let's evaluate everybody. Everybody, let's judge everybody. No? It's not our job. But everybody do what? Evaluate your own selves. Now, how I many you know if you're not self-motivated, this can get hard. But if you don't do it and somebody else starts judging you, then you'll start doing it. So I'm encouraging you all. You all right today? We're going to self-test. Right? It says, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see the way you should, you should be on this end looking at you. Hold your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you, do, you not, do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing spirit that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are counterfeits, disapproved on trial and rejected. Disapproved on trial and rejected. I'm not a counterfeit. Are you, are you born again? Are you born again? So what's the point here? Examine and evaluate yourself. Are you ready? Let's look at this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 12. We'll do King James and New Living, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. So how do we begin to test? Well, let's start by saying what we're not going to do. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Second Corinthians 10, 12. Nope, that's not what I want. Is that right? Well, because I'm in 1 Corinthians. Oh, thank you. For we dare not make ourselves of a number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Well, it sounds cool, but I don't understand it. So let's look at New Living. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, the new living. says, oh, don't worry. We, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other and using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. I like that last part. How ignorant. And so let me just break it down even more for you. So this, in order to judge yourself or examine yourself, you are not supposed to compare yourself with your neighbor. You're not supposed to compare yourself with your fellow churchgoer. You're not supposed to compare yourself with a minister. You're not supposed to compare yourself with a spouse. You're not supposed to compare yourself with your natural brother and sister. Well, I'm doing better than they are. Well, big deal. How do, it does, that's not how this is going to work. But we as human beings love to compare ourselves among ourselves. Listen, I can always find somebody. If I, if I feel bad at myself, I can always find someone not doing as good as me. And if I want to put myself down, I can always find somebody doing way better than me. But that is not uh, what you and I need to do. It is foolish to compare yourselves among yourselves. 
You are running your race with God. It's about you and God and where he's got you. And I've watched people do this all of my life as a pastor. When God is dealing with them about something, suddenly it's for the entire body of Christ. And you got to watch that with ministers that you follow because you can tell if you listen to them for long enough what God's dealing with them about. Because it comes out. Now, y'all don't analyze me or anything because God is dealing with me about a lot of stuff. But I'm just telling you that a lot of times with ministers, if they emphasize something overly, um, a lot of times it's because God is dealing with them because it's not good in their own life. And so they over-preach it, especially a pastor. If you over-preach something, it's because it's, 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 sometimes it's something short of them, not just what they've called, been called to do. Are you understanding? But you're not gonna, So everybody, everybody understands I'm not going to compare myself with anybody else. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But I am going to take some self-exams. And where, 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 is my, where is my examination coming from? Well, it's going to come from the Word of God. Because this is a mirror. And I'm going to look into it. And first of all, it's going to tell me who I am. It's a good mirror. It's going to make me look good. It's going to reflect back to me. But also when I look in it, I'm going to see if i got spinach in my teeth. I'm going to, I'm going to see if my hair is out of place. I, I'm going to see if, 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 if I missed a spot or whatever. I, you know. So that's what the word will do for you. It'll do two, it's a two-fold mirror. It'll reflect back to you who you are, but it'll also tell you where you need adjustments. Everybody good? Amen? So communion, the Lord's table, the Passover meal, is a good place to make adjustments to get ready to receive the promises of God. So it's a good time to evaluate where I am. It's not a sad time. It's not a somber time. Because listen to me, if you were in Egypt... On the night before the Passover, and you had smelled all them lambs a cooking, and everybody was in the, and the Lord told you to get your shoes on, get your staff in your hand, get your traveling clothes on, because tomorrow you're getting out, it would not be a somber time. It would not be a sad time. It would not be an old time. You may not understand everything God's about to do, but you know tomorrow I'm leaving. That's what the Passover is. When Jesus had it with the disciples, what happened? He did go to the cross. He did die. He did go to hell. But on the third day, he got up out of the grave and he changed everything. So communion time is not somber, but it's reverent. Somber and reverent are not, they're not, equal, they're not the same. Somber does not always equal reverent. Because sometimes you can be irreverent if you're not laughing. What is that, what I mean by If the Holy Ghost is doing something, you can be irreverent by... Or if, we're, if everybody's praying and you're up dancing around, that's being irreverent. Because right now he's, he's having us pray. Irreverence have to really is more about doing what God wants you to do at the moment. It's not about an action. It's not about, uh, it, so it's not, it, being reverent, it doesn't even, it doesn't mean sad. It doesn't mean somber. It just means when you're reverenced, you reverence what? You reverence the word of God. You reverence the power of God. So are you ready to take an exam? So we're not going to compare ourselves among ourselves, right? So what are we going to do? Well, first you got to take the word test. You got to take the word test. James 1, 22 through 25. So uh, just for time's sake, I'm probably not going to read all this. But what does this say? It says that you're not a hearer only, but you're a doer of the word of God, right? So how you got to look at yourself. Am I doing what I know to do? See, that's the test. 
Lord, Holy Ghost, help me. Am I doing everything I know to do? Have I let anything slip? See, that's not hard. And how many know if you start asking the Holy Ghost these kind of questions, this doesn't take like a, a 10-day answer later. You, immediately, you know. And you know, when he's reminding you, it's not condemning you. How many know the Holy Ghost doesn't condemn? What he's doing is instructing you. Yeah, you need to pick this up a little bit. You, 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 you've let this area go. You need to be a doer of it. Uh, you, need, you, know, you need to get back to um, uh, meditating on my word. You get, need to get back at uh, um, uh, reading a uh, Pastor Mark Daily Bread that he worked so hard on. You need to get back to reading that. Whatever it is. Y'all good? Take the word test. So you examine yourself. Am I doing what the word says to do? Am I doing what I know to do? And then ask the Lord, come on, be real brave. Lord, teach me, some, teach me what I don't know. I remember many years ago, uh, um, Pastor Ron and I were praying. We were away praying. And the church, this is many, many years ago. We were just having the hard, hardest time with some things. And the Holy Ghost spoke to us so kind. He said, uh, you're doing everything you, you know to do. It's what you don't know that's hurting you. And so this is the prayer we prayed. Lord, teach us what we don't know. It's a simple prayer, right? But he began to. And he began to put people in our lives that helped us. Lord, teach me what I don't know. Take the word test. Number two. Number two, take the Holy Ghost test. Take the Holy Ghost test. Let's look at this one. I want to look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Malachi 3, 2. It says, but who may abide in the days of his coming? Who shall stand as he appears? He is like a refiner's fire, like fuller soap. So how do you take the Holy Ghost test? Well, this is the deal. Lord, am I letting your spirit um, ignite me? Am I receiving your fire? How many know Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire? Amen. He's the baptizer of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, in our circle, we understand. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in other tongues. You can be today. You need to be. But, but the fire of God is sometimes left out. But that's the whole point is you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everybody say fire. So what does fire do? Well, in this case, it is a refiner's fire. So what does the fire do? It cleans you up. Oh, man, it's fun to get cleaned up by God. No? I said it's fun. Come on, have you ever received the fire of God? The power of God? How I many of the power, fire of God? It's awesome. And what does that fire do? Well, it cleans you up. This is the key, though. When the Holy Ghost fire comes, some, what happens to uh, gold when, it, when it's turned up, when the heat comes on it? Well, how, how do you make it pure gold? Well, you got to turn the heat really up. How, how does God refine us? Well, the fire gets a little hotter. The fire, get, Lord, turn the fire up. Hallelujah. No? Yes, Lord, turn the fire up. And when the Lord turns the fire up, something happens. The dross, the impurities rise to the top. And at that moment, you have an opportunity, and I do mean an opportunity, to get that dross out of your life. But unfortunately, when people take the Holy Ghost test, what they do is, I like that dross. I like that. And so what do you got to do? You either deal with the dross or you reduce the fire. And, and if you reduce the fire, the dross settles back down in. And so the Holy Ghost test is, Lord, I, he is a consuming, our God is a consuming fire. I did, the word of God is like fire. So the fire of God is very important. 
Come on, remember what John the Baptist, he said, I'm going to baptize you with water and repentance, but there's somebody coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. On the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And suddenly, cloven tongues of fire came in the room and sat on them. Come on, when's the last time you asked the Holy Ghost to come sit on you? Come sit, and I guarantee you when he, the Holy Ghost and fire, comes and sits on you, you will change your position. If I brought my, now I say this all the time because I'm not going to tell you my way, but if I brought my 170 pounds and came and sat on you, I walk by faith, not by sight. If I came and sat on you, with whatever I weighed, you would, I, I'm, I'm heavy. I would, change your, I would change your position after a minute or two. You would have to change your, that's what God is like, but in a good way. Isn't it cool that one of the ways he wants to change you is by letting the fire of God fall on you. That's why you should come to saturation meetings. That's why you should come to special meetings. That may, that's why you should come to all meetings, but you especially come to saturation meetings. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of the fire of God. I just had an experience lately where someone, uh, you know, they got afraid of the fire of God. They got afraid of the reality of God. Um, but we can't back away from the reality of God. We can't back away from he's real. He's real. I'm getting ready to do a, I'll give you a preview. I'm getting ready to do a, a new set of series. And basically it's about do you want the real God or the fake one they made? Do you want the real one or do you want the fake one they made? I want the real one. I want the book of Acts one. I, I, I want the epistles one. I don't want the religious one. Amen? You ready to take the Holy Ghost test? Then the other test, you got to take the love test. <laughs> Have you ever sit through Pastor Rondo's Bible Institute, Love Walk 1 and Love Walk 2? Amen to change your life? Well, I hear it all the time, and it changes my life all the time. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, uh, uh, you know, I know it's going to happen again, but I'm, what's your favorite class? Love walk one and two. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, there she, oh, I didn't think she was in here. Um, um, I, I even thought I'd give out pizza if, if someone would say Holy Spirit. But anyway, um, but I don't teach as much as I used to. But my point is what? Love walk's a big, big deal. It's a big deal. We all deal. And really, the devil knows love walk's a big deal. Doesn't he? If he can get you out of love, he can cause your faith to quit working. The devil, can, it'll cause your faith to quit working. It's the way that people are supposed to know that we're born again. So that's a pretty big deal. Right? If the devil wants to choke out the word of God in you, what will he do? Well, he'll get you into unforgiveness and get you a root of bitterness. And it'll not only mess up your soil, it'll mess up everybody around you. The devil's a lot of things. Ignorant is not one of them. Offense. Out of love. Being mad all the time. I'm watching it. I see it. I wish people would listen. It's an, you got to be careful. You come away from something angry. You come away from something, Ugh! it's not love. It's not God. It's putting some other seeds in your field, in your soil. We have to make sure we're walking in love. Amen. Love is not wishy-washy. Sometimes love is tough. Amen. 
If you really love somebody and they're about to run out in front of a semi, even if they're, I mean, you, you know, you might have to yell at them. Are you with me? You understand? So you got to take the love test. And the last one is you got to take the sin test. You got to take the sin test. You know, nobody has to tell you what sin is, although the Bible will. And your heart will. I said your heart will. Your heart will. If you're born again, your heart will convict you. And you obviously can't live in and practice it. Right? Because if you do, the wages of sin is death. And the Lord's not trying to ruin anybody's fun. He's trying to keep you um, well. He's trying to keep you walking in the light. He's trying to keep you free. Now, the great thing about it, though, is, um, again, going back to unworthy, if some of you grew up in a way where you just were always so conscious of your sins, and I I make a light of it, but you understand, sometimes... um, you know, the sins of commission. And I heard about the sins of omission and all those kind of sins. And people say, well, you're, you're sinning all the time. You're a, you're a sinner. No, we're not sinners anymore. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sinners sin. You and I are saints. You're a saint if you're born again. Sinners need to get born again. But if you get off in and, and start practicing sin, the Bible says this in 1 John. It says, if you'll walk in the light... As he is in the light. And we have fellowship one with another. A lot of people think that's this way. But, it, but if you read it in context, I believe it's talking about fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with believers, yes. But we have fellowship with the Father. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus will continually, ongoing, cleanse you. Thank God for that. You're hooked up to a better IV than you knew of. The blood of Jesus will continually cleanse you. But... If you get out of the light, what is, what is, what is sin? It is a, um, it, it's when you go against what you know is right and you, uh, you, you on purpose walk in a darkness. You, um, you, you don't, you know, you know the truth, but you do the sin anyway. But there's good news that if you'll confess your sins, plural. So this is talking to believers. I know a lot of people, if you hear after people that First John's not written to Christians, they're wrong. It is written to you. It is written to you as a believer. It's an epistle, and it's written to you. I was listening to Brother Hagen, and it was a teaching from like 30 or 40 years ago. And about 40 years ago, the same thing was going around. First John was written to unbelievers, and he corrected it 40 years ago. And said First John is definitely written to believers. The devil doesn't have anything new. He just recycles. The, why is it important that it's written to you? Because you've got to understand that if confession is not really as much for God as it is for you. It's a gift. Repentance. People say, well, you don't have to repent anymore after you got born again. Well, tell that to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Repentance is a gift. And it gets you back in position. He's never trying to keep you out of position. He's always trying to get you in position. Amen. And are you grateful for the blood of Jesus? If you sin, you have an advocate. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So see, when you walk in sin, you walk in unrighteousness. But when you walk in the light, when you walk in the truth, you're walking in your righteousness. And the blood of Jesus that made you righteous in the first place is continually cleansing you. And you can get right back in it. 
You know, I, I, you know I, I was probably one of these people. I was always trying to get cleaned up before I would come to him. And that's probably why I emphasize it so much. That's where I lived. I was always trying to make myself holy. I was always trying to make myself good enough to be in his presence. But Jesus did that. And if I believe that and act on that, there's freedom there. So partaking of the Lord's table, communion, is not a somber time, but it's a reverent time. It really should be a joyous time because if it, what the Passover meant was they were coming out tomorrow. And so if the Lord is having us do this every first Sunday, he's wanting to remind us of there's a harvest waiting on the other side. There's something, I'm bringing you out with silver and gold. Uh, healing and miracles for you as you come out. There's a promised land. There's something I've given you that's, that's coming. And so it should be an exciting time. And yet we have to do what the scripture says. Number one, we're not going to take it unworthily. We're going to take it reverently. We're going to take it with respect. But it doesn't mean somber. It doesn't mean sad, because if we know what the Passover means, that means good things. If you knew what season it was, the Holy Ghost said, you'd rejoice. If you knew what season it was, you'd rejoice. If you knew what season it was, you'd rejoice. And so once again, I see this as the Lord positioning us to get the greater, to positioning us to, to walk in the promises of God that are yes and amen, positioning us to walk in health and healing, positioning us to being blessed to be a blessing, positioning us, amen, to walk in the fullness and see his power and see his glory. But we have to make sure we do it reverently. And then we got to take these self-tests. But if you take the self-test, and then you do what? Judge yourself. Okay, you know, like uh, if you're taking a, a, a pre-exam, or what they have to do in Bible Institute um, is they have to take a quiz. It's not a hard quiz. But you can see, oh, I guess I wasn't paying attention when they said that. Because I don't know the answer. So what are you going to do? Well, you go back and listen to the tape. And you find out. How many of you know God's tests are really easy? Well, mostly. They're open book. I said they're open book. I said they're open book. There's no reason for any of us to flunk. It's open book. And if you do these simple things that I gave you, you are self-testing. You're examining yourself. And then if you come up short, it's not like a, Ugh, I can never do anything right. No, Holy Ghost, help me. Help me. And you know what? He's the paracletos. He's the helper. And he'll help you. And then you position yourself to get all that God has for you. Amen? You don't have to be a member of the church. But I do want to make sure that you're born again. Or that you're right with God. And so before we partake of communion, I just want to pray for you. Let's do it this way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you never made him the Lord of your life, or you've been away from God, if you've been away from God, then I want to uh, pray for you, and I want you to partake with us. There's no reason to put this off. There's no reason to not take communion with us today unless you just want to say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get right with God. But you can get right with God right now 
by simply believing that Jesus is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead. Or if you were born again and you've walked away from God, then all you got to do is ask him to forgive you and let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. And then you're positioned to receive communion today. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, just so I know, am I going to pray for anyone specifically? If you're not born again or you've been away from God, lift your hand for me right now. And I want to I I look you at it. It'll just help you by lifting your hand, saying, I'm making this choice today. I'm making this choice today. Amen. If you, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you lifted your hand, you can put it down. We'll look one more time. If you already lifted your hand, you don't have to put it up again. Uh, all right. Uh, let me tell you, those who lifted your hand after the service is over, um, I'm going to have somewhere where I want you to go get some books and further prayer. If you would do that for me, uh, it'll just help you immensely and uh, tremendously and it'll bless me. Okay, everybody look at me. Um, go ahead and get your cup, your communion. I just did. Oh, didn't I? Oh, I should do that. Thank you. All right, everybody in the room, let's do this. Lift one hand to heaven. Thanks. Sometimes I get so excited I forget. I say this. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he was raised from the dead, and I receive him as my Savior, and I make him the Lord of my life. Now, if you're away from God, this is how I want you to pray. One hand up. Everybody say this. Say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of the sins that I've been committing. I believe that the blood of Jesus cleanses me right now from all unrighteousness. I am free. I am free. I am free. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, first thing you do is I guess you got to open, don't open the cup first, the juice first. Get the, this is a fancy new one. So get the bread out. These are a little easier to open, though, I will say that. Thank you, Belinda and Bethany. All right. Get your bread. Hey, I'll stand. Okay. Reverently, but not somber. Father, thank you for this bread that represents the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We boldly proclaim that by Jesus' stripes, we have been healed. Every person in this room, Father, we receive healing. Receive healing, health, and wholeness. Thank you for taking our sickness, our diseases. With your stripes, we are healed. We appreciate it. We're grateful for it. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Go ahead. Thank you for this cup, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for our salvation, for our protection. Thank you for the blood. Amen. Go ahead.